This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Welcome on board to the Danny Mac Podcast. Glad you're with me on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network twice a week. The guys at Bet Rivers, Baby Capone, Adam Delavid, and all of my guys, give me a chance to share with you my thoughts on football. And they give me the flexibility to go outside of the greatest game ever invented if I so desire. You never know when I may throw a Gordon Lightfoot tail at you. Not today, however. It's the day after a very exciting Sunday in the National Football League and what could be a fun game tonight between two teams that will not be participating likely in postseason football. The Colts and Steelers are final act for the 12th week of the NFL season tonight at Lucas Oil Stadium. The Colts are two-and-a-half-point favorites over the Steelers. The total is 39-and-a-half. And I'm not sure about how you feel about the Jeff Saturday situation, if you want to call it such, in Indianapolis. So many people, and maybe Bill Cower was at the front of the line, so many pundits and former coaches and even fans, to a lesser degree, chiming in on how their football sensibilities were so egregiously offended when Jimmy Ursay pointed to Jeff Saturday, who was coaching youth football, and said, hey, you spent 14 years in my team's uniform. You're going to be my interim head coach. And what do you do if you're Jeff Saturday? You pounce on the opportunity. That's what he did. They went to Vegas two weeks ago and knocked off the Raiders. Then they battled Philadelphia tooth, fang, and claw, Ted Nugent, uh, last weekend. And now a chance with the national eyes upon them for Jeff Saturday to show his Colts. Uh, his Colts are responding. And I'm eager to hear the commentary from Troy Aikman on this topic. Uh, whether he sides with Cower and finds it offensive to the profession the sacred, sanctimonious role of a head coach. It's uh, its precious. It's more precious than being the Surgeon General or the President of the United States. You got to have background. You got to pay your dues. Bill Cower played in the league for five years. Jeff Saturday was in it for 14. Eat me, Bill Cower. Looking forward to the game. The Steelers are three and seven. They haven't had a losing season since 0-3 when they went 6-10. The Colts are 4-6-1. If you're wagering tonight, recent trends, and those should be the ones that interest you only, as I pointed out in last week's podcast. Don't worry about the Bears having won five in a row against the Jets because Rex Grossman 
doesn't matter in this matchup. Uh, they'd won five straight and the Jets pounded them yesterday. I'll get to that. I know that's probably why you're here in just a couple of minutes. But trends wash recently following a straight-up loss. Both teams lost last week. Pittsburgh at Cincinnati, Indianapolis to Philadelphia. Both have bounced back against the spread. The Steelers have covered six of their last eight after an ATS loss. The Colts have covered seven of their last 10 games following a straight-up loss against the spread. Rookie quarterback Kenny Pickett is improving, even though he's thrown eight picks versus three TDs on the year. He's gotten a little bit better the last couple of weeks, has not thrown an interception. Jonathan Taylor has got it going uh, finally for Indianapolis, as does Matt Ryan. The Jets beat the Bears Sunday, 31-10, to the final at MetLife Stadium. The Jets improved to 7-4 and four with the win, very much a part of the AFC playoff picture. And the Bears fall to 3-9. and nine. They are 1-6 on the road. Like you, I have the choice on how much sports media I consume. I choose to dabble in it because I love the NFL. And I want to hear people whose opinions I respect talk about the NFL. There are those people who never played it professionally, who yap about it every day, who I find to be interesting more often than not. Danny Parkins is one of those guys. I I like to hear what Cap and Hood have to say about Bears games. I like to hear... Uh, Matt Spiegel with Parkins. I forgot Spieg. Sorry about that. It's not the Danny Parkins show. It's Parkins and Spiegel. Uh, David Haw is a guy whose opinion matters to me. I think he knows the NFL. He's very well sourced. I want to hear what he says. I really don't care. And this is no offense to you. You're a listener. You're not necessarily a caller. And I don't mean to indict all callers of sports talk shows, but I don't know where it's written. On a Monday following a Bears game, win or lose, you have to punch buttons all day in sports talk and let Joe and Berwin express his feelings because very often he doesn't represent an intelligent point or a high percentage of Bears fans. And while I think it's nice to let you know, the fans have their say. I think it's it's best for me in very limited portions, if at all. And I think many years ago, my radio partner, John Yurkovich, pointed out the only traditions worth keeping are winning traditions. If that's a winning tradition, I guess keep it. If your ratings are through the effing roof on Mondays, whether you talk about it among yourselves with experts or with callers, bless you, go for it. It just doesn't make for an entertaining product. And I've heard a lot of really stupid commentaries, not just from callers. And by the way, only about 1%, they estimate, of an audience actually calls the show. So I'm not indicting but 1% of you, and only a percentage of that 1% that represents in a stupid fashion. But there are stupid hosts on shows as well. And when it was announced Sunday morning, Justin Fields was out for the Bears, and it was going to be Trevor Simeon, the Northwestern product, and then it was going to be Ryan Peterman, and then back to Trevor Simeon, who hurt his oblique during pregame warm-ups. They go back to Trevor Simeon. And Mike White is the new quarterback for the Jets. I heard 
stupid commentary. And this included my boy Sparkins this past week saying you watch the Bears game with one eye if it's Trevor Simeon and Mike White. I, I don't know why anybody would feel that way. And it was even stated, you know, more emphatically Sunday morning when I think it was Dion Miller, the female voice on ESPN radio, who said they should be playing this game on Tuesday night. I doubt very much Dion Miller or anybody else who had that emotion before the game. I understand being a little bit, you know, frustrated that the the rushing quarterback who is Justin Fields, the human highlight reel, the video game that is the Bears' second-year quarterback, is more exciting than Trevor Simeon, who never had escapability. But if you know Jack about the NFL, you would have known Trevor does not come into this game without experience and without having had some success, albeit six seasons ago. Because I remembered a period early in his career, it was year number two in Denver for Simeon when he was given the reins and he started 14 games for the Broncos. I I, I remember him being a full-time player and not completely pissing the bed. So I looked it up last week. And in that season with the 14 starts, he threw 18 touchdown passes and only 10 interceptions. He passed for 3,400 one yards, 34-0-1. I figured that would be a top 10 Bears single season standard. I didn't know it would be top five. It just ekes in. The record for Bears quarterbacks in a season remains Eric Kramer's in 95. Jay Cutler did it three times after it didn't get to 38-28. But he was between Simeon's 34-0-1 three times in Eric Kramer's. You get what I'm saying? Had it been in a Bears uniform, it would have been the fifth best single season record in Bears history. And you get people who are supposed to be informed people suggesting it's not a game worth watching. Put it on Tuesday night. Watch it with one eye while Red Zone's on the... You know... Do a little homework. Find out what the F you're talking about. And it's not like a Bears fan can sit back with his chest puffed out or hers and say, oh, our history at this position is so magnificent. Why would I waste an afternoon watching Trevor Simeon? Did he look like he'd played before? I think the answer was yes. So I understand frustration over not getting the marquee attraction. But to express such such pessimism over the participants, and how could Mike White have been any effing worse than the expected Jets starter this season, Zach Wilson, who made a complete ass out of himself after a 9-for-22 day last week following the Jets' sleepy loss to New England. And he gets benched by Robert Sala. And the Jets responded to the change at quarterback. Mike White came out zipping laser beams right on the money early and often. On the day, he was 22 out of 28 for 315 yards with three touchdowns, no picks, and a sack. Look at some of the other big names who played quarterback yesterday and show me how many Guys posted numbers that were that impressive. I understand it was against a depleted Chicago defense. 
You got the rookies out yesterday with concussions, Brisker and Gordon. Eddie Jackson got hurt early. It's a foot. So your secondary is, even if healthy, they're not that good. And you, so yes, there are qualifiers. The Bears have a lousy front seven. They got terrible pass rush. They only got one sack again yesterday. But to dismiss Mike White, not the former Illinois coach, as I saw joked about in social media yesterday by those with keyboard muscles, he had a terrific game. He was effective, and on a rainy day in New York with an enthusiastic Jets crowd rooting him on, you felt it. You felt the passing of the torch for a playoff-bound, potentially, franchise this season. That's a seminal moment in this, this team's season and potentially their history going forward. White targeted Garrett Wilson, the first-rounder out of Ohio State, eight times. He made five catches for 95 yards and two touchdowns. Oh, yeah, the Jets ran the ball at ease as well. 32 carries for 158 yards and a touchdown, 4.9 yards per carry. I thought the game was thoroughly entertaining, especially the high-scoring first half, if you will. I dared myself to go over yesterday. I talked myself in to playing the over. Total most places was 38, 38 and a half. Um, I also saw it at 39 over the weekend. But I chickened out, and they just slid it in. The Jets 31, the Bears 10. Other injuries to the Bears. Darnell Mooney. You lost tackles, Riley Reef and Larry Borum in the game. It's it, it's a mash unit for the Bears, and when healthy, they're not even good. Uh, you, you met Armand Watts yesterday, number 96, the Bears defensive tackle, who got the only sack of the day. Sacks have been oh so few for this Bears defense. So much farther to go. There's going to be a lot of turnover on this Bears roster, but how much turnover do you expect realistically in one year? With all the cap space the Bears have available, they got to be good next year. They need to be a playoff contender next year. Certainly in two years, if Fields is everything so many seem to be convinced he is, They got to be making a run at the division in two years, maybe even next year. That's not ahead of schedule with all the money they have available and draft resources at their disposal. Still, I think you're really missing the point on rooting for draft position only. Any Bears fan who says, you know, I don't even want to watch the game. I don't care what happens. What happens in the game doesn't matter. All that matters is they keep losing to slide up in the draft. That's bullshit. What matters is the players who are going to be on this roster next year and the year after. And you don't turn over 90% of your roster. Wake up. You can't do it that quickly. You can overturn a lot of it. But there's going to be a ton of these guys back next year, and they got to start making more plays. Where in the hell is Chase Claypool? He had his two catches again yesterday. Come on. These are things that have to change for the Bears to grow. 
yeah, it's nice to draft third. I understand the value of it if you want to trade down and get even more picks because you need more bodies. I get it. But Claypool's got to play. Valus Jones Jr. has got to start contributing. You're going to count on Byron Pringle to be your guy in three, four years? Is that is that the plan? Byron Pringle and Equinemius St. Brown and Darnell Mooney? That's your That's your trio? along with Chase Claypool. I want to see those guys start making contributions. The way Cole Komet has done, he doesn't catch a lot of balls. He's not targeted a ton. He was the most targeted Bears receiver yesterday. But he has made plays. He has dipped his shoulders and taken on tacklers and made plays, albeit sparingly. That has to continue. Jalen Johnson has to start creating takeaways. You can say all you want about how corners don't get the stats because they shut guys down and they go the other way. Quarterbacks don't look in their direction. They'll never. Well, when you're you're almost done with three years and you got one career pick, something's not right here. If you're going to call yourself one of the best corners in the league like you did, and you're going to be demanding that second contract next year, you got to start creating turnovers. And he didn't. And the Bears don't. And that's problematic. And that has to change. They've got to find guys other than number 96, Armand Watts, who can get to the quarterback, or Jack Sanborn, who led the team in tackles again yesterday with 10. I value having a good place. And I understand what it means to have a top five pick. I'm not an idiot here. I sound like Matt Nagy. That's about running the football. I think that was after his seven carries uh, game plan for the New Orleans Saints in the 19 season or 20 season, one of those unsatisfying Nagy years. But I'm here to say today, you got to have a team that doesn't blow 14.4 quarter leads against punching bags like Detroit three games ago. They had the ball and a two-touchdown lead in the fourth quarter and blew it. They blew a 10-point lead against the Atlanta Falcons last week. They had the Falcons and blew that. And yesterday, they just don't show up. Uh, Trevor Simeon did the best he could. He wasn't under a ton of duress. I thought the Bears' offensive line was okay in terms of protection. 14 out of 25 for 179 yards, a touchdown and a pick for Simeon yesterday. He was sacked twice. But uh, the Jets' offense did what it wanted against the Bears' defense. They flourished on third down, converting 7 out of 12 attempts. And now the Bears are hurt heading into Green Bay, and that's where I will go next. But it's my choice to consume media. I can get mad only at myself. I just wish there were there were more intelligent discussions and there's more more focus on what some of these guys who are going to be counted on when they get good again. There's going to be guys on this roster today who will be here in 3 years and not just Fields. Come on. Smarten up. You can you can enjoy your draft position but also root for these guys to get better. To simply dismiss games and say they don't mean anything is uninformed. It's an ignorant opinion. Last night, it was it was not as close as your 40 to 33 score indicates. 
But the Eagles continued to look like the class of the NFC. They uh, they beat Green Bay. Two enormous takeaways from this one for me. Number one, it looks like Philly. I'm about ready to pencil Philly in. I, I it's it's in pencil. It could change in three weeks, but they look like a complete team to me. They are a first-rate rushing offense, and last night, led by their quarterback Jalen Hurts, had a fabulous game running the football. And Miles Sanders is pretty good too. They've got a dominant defense. The Eagles are ten and one, and they've earned it. They were terrific last night. And Aaron Rodgers, that's the number two takeaway. The curtain is closing on Aaron Rodgers' career or certainly his time in Green Bay. He threw two picks last night. He was lifted in in favor of Jordan Love. Rodgers said after the game, and he was gimpy, he's bothered by a variety of injuries. He said, if everything checks out Monday and throughout the week, I'll play against Chicago this coming week. And that game is at Soldier Field. Oh, Meatball Bears fans, going to have fun. You got your last lick in on Brett Favre in his final play in the NFL as a Viking when he was sacked by Corey Wooten. And now you're going to get potentially the chance to get your last lick on on Aaron Rodgers. But something tells me somehow, some way, as bad as he's been, I mean, as off the chart pathetic as Rodgers has been this year, he'll find a way against that Bears defense. Not a doubt in my mind. Packers are early favorites on most sites. The Eagles kept the ball last night for 35 and a half minutes. They rushed for 363 yards. Philadelphia averaged 7.4 yards per carry last night. Now, the Bears offense has the number one rushing attack in the league. Will they be able to do the same thing this coming week? And is it going to be Justin Fields? Or can the uninterested in um, in everything else other than Justin Fields, uh, media and fans, just not watch if it's going to be another Trevor Simeon game? <laughs> Trevor Simeon had it. God, I it just it wears me out. I shouldn't let it get under my skin as much as I do, but it just it just does because I do like discussing and debating football and social media. And I stirred it up both on Twitter and on Facebook Sunday morning, uh, exchanging thoughts with a handful of people. And then it becomes personal, and it reminds me of of why it's not always fun. All right, around the NFL yesterday. I, I, I do these games in the order I think they are of importance. That was gracefully worded the Bengals over the Titans 20 to 16 no Jamar Chase no Joe Mixon no problem again the Bengals out Titans the Titans Burrow sacked only once they ran the ball okay in the absence of Mixon and Cincinnati stopped the run King Henry with only 38 yards yesterday along of nine Now, he did have the 69-yard touchdown reception, but Tennessee rushed for uh, for only 63 yards on the day. Chris Tannehill, uh, of course he is. Ryan Tannehill, no picks on the day, pretty efficient. 
But uh, again, they're out-muscled by Cincinnati. Bengals now 7-4. and four. Clean game, no turnovers. Love those games. Hate it when teams beat themselves, unless I bet against them. All right, Baltimore peed one away again yesterday. The Ravens fall to 7-4, and four, like the Bengals. Baltimore gave up 18 fourth-quarter points. Jacksonville wins a game delayed by lightning at the beginning. Jaguars 28, Ravens 27. Trevor Lawrence, good. 321 yards, three tutties, no picks, completed 29 out of 37. Lamar Jackson, better as a runner probably than a passer. He only completed 50% of his throws, even though he wasn't picked. He had 14 carries for 89 yards in this new NFL where quarterbacks can be runners as much as passers, and teams can seriously think about going deep into the playoffs. Long of 12 only, however, for Jacksonville, or for Jackson yesterday. The Jaguars rushed for only 38 yards, but they defended the red zone. And they only had four penalties. They won the turnover battle. That's how you win. That's how you muscle out victories. And that's what the Jaguars did against the Baltimore team that has pissed away several leads in the fourth quarter this season, although it had been a while. The Chiefs over the Rams, 26-10. to 10. The Chiefs weren't great, but I, I still think they're the best team in football, even though Philly's 10-1, and one, Chiefs are 9-2. and two. Mahomes pedestrian for him yesterday with a touchdown and a pick. The Rams offense is unrecognizable. As LA fell to three and eight on the season, without Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford, Bryce Perkins was their quarterback yesterday. He's a second year man out of Virginia. The Rams absolutely stunk. And what a picture. They say if a picture paints a thousand words, or every picture tells a story, don't it? Wrong rock and roll lyric I'm referencing. How about Sean McVay getting popped in the face with his bite, with his own headsets? He's trying to put on his headsets in case you missed this yesterday. And a Rams player is to his left side trying to run out onto the field. And as McVay moves quickly to his left with his head, oh, he gets him smacked across the side of his face. It was ugly. You could tell it hurt. And you could tell the coach didn't want to show it. But eventually with the camera still on him, he has to put up, put his hand up over his left cheek, seeking comfort. The Rams managed only 198 yards of total offense yesterday. It has been a long time, 20 years, since a Super Bowl champion finished below the 500 mark the following year. The Buccaneers did it in 0-3 after beating the Raiders in um in the Super Bowl the prior season. So uh, it's been a lot. I think that was Super Bowl 36. Rams just awful. Chiefs continue to roll. Dolphins 30. Texans 15. Dolphins took a 30 to nothing lead into the locker room at half, then put it on cruise. The Texans turned it over three times. They rushed for only 36 yards. And if Houston can't run the ball, they're not going to win. They allowed five sacks. They were two for 13 on third down. Miami now 8 and 3. Are the Dolphins a threat in the postseason? You better believe it. They can score points. That is a potent offense. The Chargers beat the Cardinals 25 to 24 and the Chargers stay alive. 
courtesy of a division that's not as good as we all thought it was going to be. Justin Herbert pulled a rabbit out of his hat. 15 seconds left. He hits Austin Eckler on a short touchdown pass. Then the Chargers convert the two-pointer. Gerald Everett, the tight end, and Brandon Staley, of course, who coached his team out of the playoffs by thinking with his dick last year uh, instead of using common sense, always going for it on fourth down, Mr. Two-Point Conversion early in games. Well, it wins a game for him yesterday. Congratulations to that arrogant bag. Um, it paid off. He's reckless. It's going to cost him. Herbert, 35 of 47, 274 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Arizona is now four and eight. They've lost four of their last five. And the Cardinals could be shopping for a new head coach in about eight weeks. That'd make uh, that'd have a couple of ex-coaches still on the payroll, right? After firing one-year wonder Steve Wilkes, although they don't have to pay him anymore. He has work in Carolina. Uh, I'll get to the Panthers in a little bit. Yesterday afternoon, it was an exciting finish, even though the Raiders won't be postseasoning this year. Um, Las Vegas 40, Seattle 34. Josh Jacobs, a monster day for Vegas. He ripped off an 86-yard walk-off touchdown run uh, overtime, of course. The Raiders win it. Jacobs with 33 carries and 229 yards and a pair of touchdowns. He uh, he sets the Raiders' single-game rushing record, breaking Bo Jackson's record. He also caught six passes for 74 yards. What a studly performance. And Geno Smith, again, was very good for Seattle. His passer rating above 100 for the eighth time this year. DJ Metcalf. Caught 11 balls for 90 yards, no touchdowns. Frustrating for DK Metcalf fantasy owners. That guy's targeted 15 times, and he doesn't get his 100-yard bonus. He doesn't get in the end zone. Uh, Same frustration for Devontae Adams on the other side, who um, did not get in the end zone either. Also, a 90-yard performance. He was targeted 11 times by Derek Carr. uh, Seven catches. The 49ers very much are uh, a contender in the NFC. They beat the Saints 13 to nothing. The 49ers had been going very well offensively heading into this game, but not to, not so impressive last night or yesterday afternoon, I should say. It was uh, the first time the Saints had been shut out since the 0-1 season. They had the longest running streak in the NFL of not having laid an egg, but it doesn't happen, and they had the ball. Alvin Kamara lost a couple of fumbles, including one at the two-yard line uh, yesterday afternoon. So the 49ers, very, very good defensively, but a fairly pedestrian performance from an offense that had been going well. I think they'd averaged 31 points over their previous three games. They've got to be good offensively. I don't care about the occasional mistake from Garoppolo when you've got as much around him as they do. They go on and add a very, very potentially impressive piece to their offense when they got Christian McCaffrey. And he's been sporadic. And, you know, George Kittle has not had a Kittle-like season. He's hard to turn into an IAN Catellian season. That doesn't work very well, like Reinsdorfian. Um, obviously, I've got Mike Clevenger on the brain. 
So uh, anyway, defensive effort by the uh, 49ers outstanding yesterday. Here's one for you. There was a total in an NFL game yesterday. Over-under was set at 36 or 36 and a half for the Panthers' home date against the Broncos, and it went under. This is the Iowa versus Minnesota of college football just uh, nine days or so ago. Denver GM George Payton has got to, man, he's only in his second year. He is looking the fool right now. The hiring of Nathaniel Hackett as head coach is not working. And after Russell Wilson spent a couple of weeks walking the hallways of the Broncos facility, he earned the love of his GM and they gave him a contract guaranteeing him, I think, 165 mil, though. They got to pay. He's going to be their quarterback regardless of his performance for at least the next two years because they're paying him so much. They have really screwed themselves in Denver. Carolina with a win, 23-10. to 10. Keep pounding, Panthers. Uh, moment of silence for the great Sam Mills. Thank you. Overtime winner for Cleveland yesterday. The Browns beat Tampa 23-17. to The Buccaneers may win the NFC South with a losing record. Five and six now. The Browns are four and seven and getting Deshaun Watson back if they choose to do so this weekend. That would mean benching a quarterback in Jacoby Brissett who has done everything the Browns could have expected out of him while... Uh, keeping the seat warm for the massage man, Deshaun Watson. The Commanders beat the Falcons yesterday, 19-13. to Washington is now 7-5 and and in possession of the third and final wild card spot in the NFC. I have to raise my hand and say guilty is charged. If you want to accuse me of rushing to judgment, Uh, on the division this year. I got a lot of company, but no excuse for me. I don't think I had the Cowboys going to the playoffs either. Well, most of us said the NFC East was the worst division in football. Now, maybe the NFC East will not have a representative in the game in February. I'm betting on the Eagles to do so, but if the season ended today, all four teams that reside in the NFC East would be going to the playoffs. Of course, that has never happened. This is only the third year of seven teams in the playoffs, right? Year number three, the Bears snuck in a couple of years ago, even though nobody remembers it because they had such a god-awful first half and then rallied and then lost to the Saints uh, in the first first year of seven teams in the playoffs. So season ends today. They all go. Philadelphia. The Cowboys, the Giants, and now Washington. Washington's calling card is stopping the run. Uh, They did allow 167 yards to that three-headed rushing attack. Atlanta throws at you. They're going to have to be better if they're going to beat the Giants this coming week. Only one Taylor Heineke pick. His play has been a big reason why the command he's not giving it away he's not exceptional but if you don't give it away with a real good defense and a running game that's it's old school but ron rivera is that he's a baby boomer after all um so that'll wrap it up for everything that happened um yesterday 
and last night in the NFL. Quickly going back to Thursday, I think it is most appropriate on Thanksgiving, and this is uh, this is the first year they've done it posthumously, but last year when John Madden was still alive, he passed away in late December or January, I believe, there were a lot of tributes given to him on Thanksgiving because it's a holiday. Madden helped make special with his invention of the turducken. And Madden and Summerall for so many years doing broadcasts first on CBS, later on Fox, when the Fox network spent what was then a huge amount of money to acquire the rights away from CBS. I don't think it's overstating it to suggest more than any broadcaster, John Madden advanced the popularity of his sport. I don't know about globally, but certainly nationally. Madden Madden helped make the shield what it is today. You could say, well, look what Dick Vitale did for college basketball. And you'd be right. Dick Vitale was a fantastic salesman for college buckets. But where ultimately is college basketball? It draws interest regionally during the regular season. And it draws a lot of interest in the first couple of rounds of the NCAA tournament. Yeah, ratings for Final Four Saturday in the championship game on Monday are good. But you're not in the same area code or the same time zone as the NFL. I mean, come on. The NFL is a machine. And John Madden's fingerprints are all over that. With his booms and his whaps and his mud going and blood going in his book, One Knee Equals Two Feet, and his uh, his you know character, bigger-than-life approach to his broadcasts. Certainly, as big as they got in his sport, um, I don't think anybody has affected his sports popularity more than Madden did for the NFL. So... I uh, I received those tributes in each game to John Madden's uh, on Thanksgiving very, very well. I, I thought it was most appropriate and will continue to be so moving forward. And moving forward, which team is going to be the one that gets Odell Beckham, the unruly American Airlines passenger? Not a shock it would be Odell Beckham. I can't believe... American or any other airline would go out of its way to remain at the gate or return to a gate so a passenger can be deplaned unless said passenger had it coming. Are you kidding me? They're going to try to make an example out of him because he's a celebrity, which I've seen suggested today. Beckham contends he fell asleep and don't doesn't remember being asked to you know fasten his seatbelt. Okay, you know, it's a lot of he said, she said, but no shock. It winds up being Odell Beckham. Someone's going to sign him, whether it's his his original team, the New York Giants or the Dallas. He's going to wind up on a roster, and it's probably going to be this week. But I would approach that with such trepidation. And it's not just because of everything you get with Odell Beckham off the field. He's coming off of an ACL reconstruct. Unfortunate for him and those who bet on him to win Super Bowl MVP 
because he was en route to it this past February before he blew out the ACL. Bad break for him. I'm going to die of not surprise. It was Odell Beckham (laughs) ushered off of an airplane this week while traveling to go meet with his next employer. That's so classic. Thursday night should be good. The Bills and the Patriots, AFC East tilt. About time we had some good ones. I mean, some some teams that might go to the playoffs, and certainly in the case of the Bills, a team that until a couple weeks ago was expected to win its conference. They have quieted, and when they have to muscle out a win over Detroit, And I shouldn't dismiss Detroit as a punching bag. Dan Campbell has turned it around in the last four weeks. But when you've got Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs engaging in that emotional sideline hug because they muscle out that win on Thanksgiving, man, is that really where the Bills are in terms of their confidence? I I don't know. It, It struck me as odd, this, you know, Recent juggernaut, this this power that was Sean McDermott, Mr. McDermott's Bills. Man, Mac Jones played a lot better for the Patriots, by the way, on Thanksgiving. So that's our that's our Thursday game. We got Bengals and Chiefs going this weekend. Mike White is taking his his NFL quarterback show uh to Minneapolis to take on the 9 and 2 Vikings. Dion Miller, pull up a chair for the next Mike White game. And don't dismiss it. All of you who had your doubt about the potential for entertainment in the Bears and Jets because the highly accomplished Justin Fields wasn't going to suit up. Shame on you. You're not football fans. We've witnessed a hell of a lot worse than Trevor Simeon in a Bears uniform, for Christ's sake. Will Fuhrer, come on, I'm not going to go down the list of Henry Burris's and Jonathan Quinn. All right, enough names. You've seen all those names. You've seen those names every time the Bears play the Packers. Because the Packers, for 30 years, have had two guys primarily. Favre and Rodgers. And they have kicked the shit out of the Bears since 92 when Favre took over. Do the Bears get the last laugh? (laughs) Albeit a trip to Dairy Queen. Because you remember, nothing matters this season. Bears record doesn't matter. But oh so sweet it would be for some Bears fans to see the great Jack Sanborn, like Shea McClellan before him, knock Aaron Rodgers into the following week. Although I think when McClellan did it, it was on a Monday night, so it was already the following week. Anyway, the Packers' dominance over over the Bears. Aaron Rodgers, last time there, the belt. I own you. I effing own you. Will it happen again? Will he be ready to go? Is it Jordan Love time? As you can feel it. I mean, it's palpable in Green Bay. You sense the torch being passed. There's no doubt the baton is being handed to Jordan Love. It may not be this weekend, but it's going to be very, very soon. Bears and Packers. I'll go over the lopsided nature of this so-called rivalry. Historically, yeah, you can call it a rivalry because it's close to even. 
But in the last 30 years, it's not been a rivalry. Because when it's that one-sided, when you have one team serving as the hammer and the other serving as the nail, that doesn't constitute a rivalry. The nail may hate the hammer. In this case, the Bears may hate the Packers, but they can't say it's been a rivalry for the last 30 years. Because even when Brett Hundley took the wheel for Green Bay, for Mike McCarthy a few years back, he won a game at Soldier Field. Will Jordan Love be next? <laughs> the Bears are four to five point underdogs at home in year number one under Matt Eberflus. I want to thank Adam Delibit, who is the director of all of the podcasts for the Bet Rivers Network. Adam is my former executive producer and a very, very good friend for more than 20 years, and he is the baby Capone of his craft. Sam Michael for executively producing the show. Thank you. I'm going to be back again on Thursday morning to preview Bills and Patriots and the rest of week 13. I'm Danny Mack saying thanks for listening, and uh, please tell a friend about the podcast if you have not done so already, and if you haven't, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You know how to do it because you're already here. I'm Taillights. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.